Yeah, it is time to get it started once again as we love talking high school football in and around the Chandler, Arizona area. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. Each and every Wednesday, we've been bringing it to you all season for nine years. And we will continue to bring it for the rest of the season as that is our passion. This is the Seatown Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises. What is BQ Enterprises? Very simply, an independent associate of Legal Shield. Brett Quintine with you guys, and I am joined by two guys who certainly share that high school football passion as well. And the first person I will bring on is none other than Mr. Chili. Mr. Chili is very unique, and he is known to patrol the sidelines and sneak up on some folks, and he has certainly made a presence in the Valley and of course, Ralph Amston, I like to say he is the brains of the operation. He's a guy who started it all way back in the day, and it has continued to grow, thrive, and reach some new heights. Fellas, how are you today? Let's start off with Ralph. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be on with you guys. Um, I just uh, like spent last weekend in, in, in Arizona, and now I'm experiencing my first uh, fall out in the south. Leaves are changing and everything, and everyone seems really excited about it, but just giving me anxiety that every plant is dying at the exact same time. Funny stuff. And Chili, what's good with you, my man? Oh, nothing. Just uh, hanging out and, uh, you know, just trying to get a bunch of editing done. And uh, that's about it, really. Uh, excited for all these kids that are you know, putting out all their film and getting opportunities uh, for Saturdays, you know, next year. Absolutely. And we'll talk about a certain game that I believe will transpire tonight at the freshman level. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. I'm certainly looking forward to kind of getting reeled into the class of 2025, 20, 26, <laughs> whatever 25. 25, thank you. I'm not all yeah. that good with math, but bringing it back to the present our Seatown teams went over 500 for the first time in a while as they check in with a 4-3 and three record. Plenty to get excited about. And we're going to begin with the Arizona College Prep Knights. They come up with a big victory over the Fountain Hills Falcons. 55-24, the Knights. They scored in every quarter in this one. They improved to five wins and four losses. Ralph, this was a very much-needed win for Myron Bluford's team. Yeah, this is a the, this was the one that you know that that we figured um, they'd be able to get, uh, and and they did, and and that was uh, really important. It, it, they've kind of vacillated a couple of times this year between getting fifty scored on them and then turning around, and in the next you know couple of weeks being able to to, to do the same. Um, that they're just floating around the middle of the pack and they had a lot of success in, in the running game this week is, which is what you really want to see. They almost averaged 10 yards a carry 25 carries, 243 yards and five touchdowns to be able to get a win without Bryce Chan or any of those talented receivers getting in the end zone and to do it in blowout fashion might be a little bit of a surprise. Um, I, I, it certainly was to me, uh, mm-hmm. that, that they were able to, to get the win, um, the way that they did. Uh, they also added added two interception returns for a touchdown, which is definitely a great way to close the door when you have a team that needs to throw and they're coming from behind. So definitely proud of Arizona College Prep this week for what they were able to do and the way they were able to do it. And and now, you know, everything's up to some computers, I suppose. Very true. And Chile, just jumping ahead, they are, um, they've got another game, home game. They'll be taking on the Push Ridge Lions, seven wins and two losses, they're currently ranked 18, and when I say they, ACP, we know that it's the top 16. Chile, I'll start with you. How do they? Uh, do we think they can get into the playoffs? I, I think a win, and maybe I believe Winslow is 16. I think a Winslow loss clearly helps them, but they're knocking on the door. Hopefully, they can knock, knock hard enough. They they don't control their own destiny. They don't control their own destiny. But uh, you know, obviously, go out, win this game, try to win this game because you know it creates an opportunity for you. You need some help. Um, you know, I, I, I like what Ralph said. Look, they were able to get this uh, this win this past week. You know, uh, without any of those talented receivers going off, and I think that's important for them going forward. They need to know that they can get some things done on the ground, and they don't need to rely on you know Bryce Chen uh, for his 
on-field talents. Maybe they maybe they're going to them for some leadership and uh, keeping things cool and understanding, like, hey, look, guys, we still have an opportunity to get a postseason. So uh, hopefully that hopefully they can rally and look, push Ridge. They got seven wins, so you beat that team. Uh, you might find yourself, you know, on like 16 seed. You know, mm-hmm. it's good. Absolutely, man. I mean, we we could just we could just eliminate the whole playoff situation um, scenario and just admit the truth. This is the playoffs. Yeah, they are in a playoff game. It's it's uh, it's winning in. It's um you know survive in advance. That that's what the situation that they're in this week. Push Ridge has a quarterback named Ryan Fontaine who has 17 touchdowns, two interceptions through uh, through the air, and another 10 rushing. They have to key on him and stop him if 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 they want a chance to move on. I wouldn't think of it as win and we get into the playoffs. I would think of it as the playoffs start this week. And indeed, we will find out exactly what seed they're in. Probably about 9.15 on Saturday morning. That's when the 3A brackets will be revealed. And we'll see who's in and who's out. One team that we know definitely will be in as far as 3A, that's the Valley Christian Trojans. They're no longer unbeaten. They're ranked number three. They were handled pretty good on Friday night by the ALA Gilbert North Eagles, 44-7. to the one thing that we will talk about even before we get into the games, Brian Winfrey, he is an amazing guy. He's a huge part of Valley Christian, and I was able to catch up with the director of communications. I'm here with a longtime friend of the Seatown Rivals podcast, and that is the director of communications for Valley Christian High School, Brian Winfrey. And Brian, it's halftime of this particular game against ALA Gilbert North. Not quite what we expected. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we expected ALA Gilbert North to be good, and I mean, I think anybody who's followed 3A thought that they were probably in a class by themselves, and they're sure showing it tonight. Good crowd, homecoming. We had, we brought a good crowd, too. She probably did. our biggest game. Uh, we were talking about before the game, probably our biggest game, uh, regular season game in 10, 12 years. So uh, we brought a big crowd, but uh, haven't haven't been able to uh, kind of mounted a drive there that first uh, first quarter and then got punched in the mouth. And uh, we said when it rains, it pours, and it's uh, it poured in the second quarter. So <laughs> they're a good spot. Absolutely. It's no secret we are overwhelming fans of Valley Christian High School. A lot of it is due to yourself. You've been very personable and just really invited us into the school. Tell us about some of the good things that's going on at the high school. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, well, first, I mean, we just we love what you guys do, not not just for Valley, but, but just high school students in general and, and the Chandler schools and, and um, been super appreciative of that. So, um we just want to thank you for that, but it's it's been uh, an exciting couple of years. We've been growing like crazy. Um, high school's at 450 now. We're getting ready to complete a second story on a, a new building we built uh, last year and uh, trying to move up to about 600 students, uh, which would put us up in 4A, and, and we'd love that challenge. And we got our, I know you guys mention it every once in a while on the podcast, we got our uh, elementary and junior highs up and going the last couple of years, and we got... 450 students on uh, full campuses there too so it's just been it's been fun it's it's been a lot of growth a lot of new families coming in and still trying to maintain that small school uh family atmosphere and i think we've been able to do that so you've used the word family which i think is i'm not going to say vital but it's definitely a stamp that valley christian has had whether it's Coach Hegsma, Coach Timmer, uh, I can't, I forget, uh, there's so many different names that have uh, Hansels and all of those, (laughs) all of that family. What is it about Valley Christian that just keeps legacy, which I think is outstanding? I I think part of it is just our, the foundation of the school. I mean, the families you mentioned are all Midwest folks. So I, I think we have a lot of Midwest at the school. Maybe not so much anymore. Uh, obviously, like Arizona used to be all Midwest transplants, it seemed like. Um, and, and, you know, getting families from Texas and, and California and all over now. But I, I think at the foundation of the school is that small town atmosphere and what a high school is in a small town. And we've been able to, to try to do that and, and intentionally keep that in a big city. Uh, and I, I think that's probably 
what maybe stands out with the family that you mentioned. So, You guys have always been fantastic. I'll say keep up the good work. We got another half to go. We'll see what can happen. But uh, at the same time, you guys have had an amazing year and will continue to do so. You guys are going to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, this is one, you know, you, you maybe take a couple of things from this and glean it and just burn it and move on. And, and uh, hopefully we see these guys again. They're going to go a long way as well. So hopefully we can be there at the end with them. And, uh, we might not invite you back to the game because I'm not sure you've seen us win in person, but uh, that's all right. We'll have you back anyway. But uh, my wife will be thrilled that I'm on the podcast. You guys name dropped when we had our kid, and actually a friend reached out to her. I texted Ralph this. friend reached out to her and was like, you had a kid. Congratulations. She's like, how did you hear? Well, they mentioned it on the podcast, and she's like, one, why were you talked about on a podcast? I'm like, it's a long story. It's fine. But I pay Brett weekly to mention my name. So I'll give you the check after this. But, no, it's it's been great. We love the relationship we have with you guys, and uh, it's, it's super fun. So thank you so much for everything you do, Brian. Thanks. Thanks, Brett. And, Ralph, I would love for you to really expand on the Valley Christian culture. The reason I say that is when I joined you eight, nine years ago, yes, from afar I was familiar with Hamilton, Basha, um, Perry, et cetera, of course, Chandler High School, you kind of introduced me to Valley Christian, and it's like, okay, in my mind, all right, yeah, small school, okay, whatever. But, of course, they have strong history, and they have taken to us, and we have taken to them. Just talk about just how strong that brand is. I grew up with, uh, with friends who uh, were in the Valley Christian community. Um, I had some family, uh, also that, you know, d- dated a, a couple of people who were, um, at Valley Christian and, and it's just always been a family environment for the longest time. My pastor, uh, um, out in Tempe was, a, was a Valley Christian alumni. And I remember he brought up that like Hagsma was his baseball coach and I was like, Oh, you mean basketball? And he's like, no baseball. Like everybody mm-hmm. does a little bit of everything out there. And so, um, it's just always kind of been around growing up in the Chandler community. You know, there's always been those Valley Christian kids. Um, I, it's cool to watch Valley Christian grow and expand and keep sort of that family atmosphere, because I think, you know, Notre Dame's a newer school, but when we think of Notre Dame, we think of like, you know, Catholic school on the, on, I think on par with some of the California private schools and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I think the same goes for uh, Brophy and its Jesuit affiliation and all that. Um, you know, a lot of the private schools in Arizona really just have that kind of community charm. It's not like the, the um, it, it, it's not like California or a lot of other places or, or Charlotte where I'm at now where half the schools are private schools and, and it's just banker families paying for their kids to not be in public school. Um, you know, I think that private schools can get kind of a bad rap because it, 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 it people think of it as the haves um, versus the have nots. And I've just never, ever gotten that from Seton. I've never gotten that from Valley um, growing up in that community. And it's cool to see Valley growing and the things that they're doing. Brett, you were out at a game. Chill, you were out at a game last week. It's just a, it, they really do capture that family atmosphere on game night, which is a lot of fun. I have a question for you, Brett, because I was following along with your updates on Friday night. The fumbles, the turnovers, four turnovers, three lost fumbles. Um, I see that uh, that that American leadership Gilbert North marked them down for like 500,000 uh, assisted tackles. Was it just a matter of people swarming to the ball or were these unforced errors? No, they swarmed to the ball. It was uh, one of those things where it would be a scrum where – Four guys are around the ball carrier or a receiver, and next thing you know, one of the ALA players comes up with it. So they they played very well. They they read all the plays very well defensively, and yeah, it truly was uh, a bunch of tackles, and uh, it was not unforced errors. ALA Gilbert North showed their physicality. What about this 21 yards per completion for Adam DeMonte? Was he just going over the top of everybody, or were there a lot of yards after catch, or what? He was going over the top. I'm going to say a combination of both. ALA Gilbert North was just a step ahead all night long over VC. And you'd get a couple of receivers, Johnny Bellino and uh, I believe Brandon Phelps was another stark uh, receiver. They would be a step or two behind the VC secondary. And then there would be another scenario where you would see the slant patterns and you'd have not so much a missed tackle, but a bump and, 
and Eagle wouldn't go down, stay on his feet, and just keep it moving. So they uh, they beat them in all facets of the game. Um, they held Caden Majerzyk. I believe he got into the end zone, but on the whole, the Eagles are a step ahead. How, so, how are they able to? How are they able to hold uh, Caden down? Was it the offensive line not getting the push? Were they not getting the trench? Getting things going in the trenches? Um, that was kind of a concern of mine. Like I saw that Bradford and uh, Gerard were able to get some things done. They both had like 80 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. What what happened with Caden? What was the biggest linebackers problem? filling the gaps? Linebacker basically the uh, the offensive line they held their own, but when a typical O line is playing five on seven or five on eight, somebody's going to find a gap or a hole. Majerzyk, he's more of an inside runner and not so much bouncing to the outside, and he just did not have any type of room at all. So, yeah, it was um, it, it was tough going for the Trojans the other night. And um, ALA, they, they showed what they're made of, and uh, they can beat you on so many different ways, and they're very deep. Special teams was good, good punting. So um, VC, very simply, they just got beat by a better team. But uh, number three for now, we hope that they are able to kind of – get back into that number two slot. And again, we'll find out on Saturday because obviously number two slot would mean they wouldn't have to see ALA Gilbert North potentially until the final. So we'll see what goes on, but um, go Trojans. And again, thank you, Brian Winfrey for your time. The Seton Catholic Sentinels, they unfortunately come up on the wrong end of a 56 to six decision to desert mountain. Very simply, this team is hurting. They've given up 153 points in their last three games. Whatever is happening, honestly, over there, it's not good. It really isn't, and it doesn't get any easier this week as they head to a potentially open-bound team, and that is the ALA Queen Creek Patriots. But let's jump ahead into some of the bigger schools. And the Perry Pumas, they're now 2-6 and six on the year after dropping a 26-13 decision to the Castile Colts. Ralph Perry put the ball in the air this time around. Senior quarterback Gavin Reitz, 25 of 36 for 235. The tough thing was he threw four interceptions. We saw one of the seniors, Jackson Lee, he called, he hauled in 12 passes for a 145. But Ralph, in the end, Perry, they fought. They definitely fought against Castile, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. So didn't we, we talked a little bit about this last week, didn't we? We talked about, um, we talked about the fact that or, or was that – that was actually the Castile Colts on whether or not they were going to have a consistent game plan. This is definitely the most um, the most I've seen Perry throw the ball mm-hmm. in a while. In and, a long and, time, right. And, you know, what, what's interesting is is I don't know if there was an injury or what, but moving down to one quarterback, um, Coulter Brown, you know, not playing. Gavin Reed's throwing 36 times. I guess just kind of doing whatever it takes to win. I saw the Brock Ford had a pretty good game on the ground. Um, but but ultimately, I mean, only managing 13 points despite having 474 yards of offense, that's a lot to swallow. I I, I, I get that the, the turnovers are a big part of that, but you almost have 500 yards of offense and you can't even muster uh, three touchdowns. That I mean, that's that that's a lot. And so, you know, one big step forward, two giant steps back. Uh, shout out to, to Jackson Lee, because, you know, we talked a lot about A.J. Murphy and his game that kind of came out of nowhere um, to where, you know, he rushed for over 300 yards after not even having 300 career rushing yards. Uh, Jackson Lee had 12 catches for 145 yards in this game, despite only having five catches for 32 yards in his Perry career. So, wow. Um, hey. He, he definitely deserves some love for, for going off the way uh, th- that he did. He's a, he's a combination tight end wide receiver out there at Perry. They could use a little bit more of that toward the end of the season and potentially if they end up a playoff team because it looks like they might make I think they will simply for, for getting wrecked by good teams, which is something that I'm not a huge fan of, but Bash has gotten in on, on, on that a couple of times, so why not Perry as well, I guess. And Chili, I'll ask, yeah, shout out to the uh... – the seniors. I mean, this class has had a rough go of it the last two years, but they keep on fighting. The one loss record may not show it, but they, they give it their all. Hey man, this this uh Perry teams, they got some uh they got some heart. I'll, I'll definitely say that. And look, man, uh they go off passing against the Castile team, whose secondary is probably, you know, arguably one of the best in the state. I really like a lot of those kids, uh Connor Clinton, uh 
Jarias Grimes and some of them, but like to see uh, Gavin Reitz get an opportunity to do his thing. I've been waiting for this for almost four years since I saw him as a freshman over at Chandler. Um, Jackson Lee, you know, getting an opportunity to play big. Like they do have to prepare for the playoffs. And I mean, that's part of the reward for getting beat up in the premier region, right? I mean, you get the strength of schedule um, because their strength of schedule, I think has to be like highest in the state. It's pretty good. Everybody. They've seen everybody. So like, I mean, it, it's tough. I, I, I'm trying. So I'm trying to figure out like where I stand on this. Really, uh, you know, do I do I agree and think that you know because they're losing so many games, maybe they shouldn't be in the playoffs, or like, you know, Highlands a situ- situation where it, you know, they might lose three games and be in the open. Like, it, it's Here's tough. the thing though. Let me yeah. let me ask you guys this because no, you're right with the strength of schedule that usually does get yeah. you in. But now Perry's home schedule is finished, and they've got a game at Higley. The Higley Knights are one win and six losses. If they were to drop that, and I don't think they will, if they were to drop that, that drops them potentially out of the postseason. So this, I think, is, for postseason purposes, a must-win for the Pumas. Maybe, but it would also require the teams under them to win. This is true, to lose as well. And you have to factor in the fact that strength of schedule is still going to be dragging them up when, when, when they end up with four open teams, you know, having lost to four open teams. I do not like strength of schedule being part of um, being such a large part of determining the playoffs. If margin of victory is not going to be included at least in some small part, because the that's a participation trophy. Like you show up, you lose by 80 or you lose by seven. There's no difference. And that there's some teams that go out there and they're extremely competitive against a lot of good teams. O'Connor is one of them. O'Connor went out, they lost all those same games that Perry lost, but those games were tied at halftime. Right. Um, and so, but I I don't want to let it get away here. Perry is improving. They're improving defensively. They are attempting new things offensively. They're trying to figure it out. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm more impressed with some of the stuff that they've done as a coaching staff this year than even with a couple of the years that they went to the championship. Absolutely. Because they're hey. trying, right? And and they 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 uh, outgained Castile in this game two to one. And without JJ Newcomb having three interceptions and a rushing touchdown, I don't know if Castile gets this win. Um, so I I I do want to uh, I do want to give Perry credit defensively for the fact that they only gave up twenty six points despite giving Castile four extra offensive possessions. Um, you got to, you know, sift through some garbage to find the good. But the truth is that this Perry team has done some good things. I just am not a strong believer in, in, you know, getting, yeah, getting rewarded for getting blown out. Hey, Cy Hatch, Aiden Herring, uh, CJ Snowden, like they've been a, you know, kind of a bright spot on the season for Perry Um, defense. I, I don't know. This is one of the better Perry teams that I've seen, you know, you know, last Two, three years or whatever right no i mean they, they fought that's the one thing they have definitely fought and it's uh and props to them and hey they take on higley this week and very simply go pumas let's uh let's get it done and let's try to get into that postseason so yeah we'll uh we'll see what happens as for the castile colts four wins and three losses chile they're ranked number 14 on this season where do they go from here they've got three games left what's kind of your outlook on obviously one of those games is against the Chandler Wolves. That's, uh, that's I, not an easy task. I think this team is going to head to the playoffs. Obviously I think they're going to get to that conference playoff bracket. Um, they should be able to muster up enough victories. This team is super talented. Uh, and maybe even get of, a home game. Maybe, may, maybe because right now they're number nine. Six, technically six teams get pulled up into the open. So, I mean, a home team isn't out of question. Um, you know, I, I just never know exactly what I'm going to get from this team. Right. So I, I'm waiting for them to kind of settle on some things. You know, I think Ralph brought this up last week. Uh, you know, the pass game, like, are, are we going to see it? Are we going to see it develop? Uh, dude, I, I, I love Landon Jury. I think that he's a super special, super dynamic quarterback um, that really hasn't been showcased. And I know, I know that Newcomb, 
loves his quarterback. So I'm trying to figure out what the situation is over there. And it just seems like he's not getting enough uh, pass attempts per game. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing offensively over there. Um, it seems like they're using the wildcat opportunities uh, more frequently than probably they would like to. Because um, they definitely did that in the game against Williamsfield, in which they got blanked in the first half. So, yeah, they're right. you're right. They're trying some things. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I just need to see some things develop over there. I'm not sure if it's, a, you know, a lot of re- receivers left last year and things like that, personnel changes. So I uh, just need to see these guys uh, find an identity on offense, really. Ralph? I agree. 40 points over the last three weeks when they had 72 points over the two weeks before that um, is, is not very encouraging. Uh, for this offense, they, they got to figure something out because Chandler is getting stronger, uh, as they, as, as Castillo has kind of maintained a great defensive presence, but hasn't been able to do much offensively the last couple of weeks. It could just be a matter of making sure that all your best athletes are on the field offensively and seeing what happens. Um, but it, this is going to be a tough one coming up. Absolutely. The number two Basha Bears, they are now 8-0 after defeating the Highland Hawks 24-13. This is a team that scored in nine straight quarters, and we're going to hear Chili's 60-second rant in a second. But, Ralph, it's fair to say that this team has passed every test this season so far. People are like, oh, well, hey, who has Basha played, blah, blah. Well, they go to Highland, and they beat them soundly. You're right. And, you know, Chile was at the game. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about about that because, you know, Chile was thinking that he might not get to see Gage Daly again in the in the regular in the regular season. And this 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 might be one of the most established and best and experienced quarterbacks uh, that Basha has faced all year with those really talented defensive backs that they have. They just do things the the, the right way um, offensively. They, they depend on the run game. Uh, they make the big passes when um, when they can. Sophomore Bryson Deadman had over 100 yards receiving and, and a touchdown. So when all the young guys are on their game and the defense is clicking and 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 they do it without really creating a bunch of havoc or turnovers or anything like that. I know Wyatt Milkovic forced a fumble um, and and uh, and Miles Lockhart had an interception. Um, and two he was coached well in his youth days. There you go. And two two turnovers is a lot for a Highland team that usually does a really good job uh, protecting the ball. But then when Basha also doesn't give the ball away and they can grind out victories over good teams and then turn around and blow out some of the some of the teams that are struggling. Um, just everything about this team is incredibly impressive. And then just as a reminder, there are like no seniors. So you got to deal with them again next year. And Chile, not only 60 seconds. Let's give you 90 seconds because this was a really cool victory. Go ahead, my man. Hey, man, I'm, I'm so proud of these uh, Basha Bears. Look, they, they were they were on me all week about, uh, you know, I didn't give them credit for being able to be physical. But that offensive line, that defensive line over there, uh, they really were able to establish themselves and compete. Um, you'll see in the vlog that, you know, I point out that there's maybe like a five-minute stretch um, from first quarter to second quarter where they're trying to figure out the physicality of Highland and they were able to adjust and pick it up and, um, you know, do their thing. Uh, Dede Buchanan was, you know, remarkable performance because he had to grind out and gut out a whole bunch of yards. Um, but right out the gates, this defense, they came out hungry. They came out, uh, swarming, uh, was it two plays in three plays in forced a fumble and, you know, gave the, gave their offense a short field and grinded into the end zone. Uh, you couldn't, hey, this team's young, and they're figuring out how the physicality aspects of the game work. Uh, Coach McDonald definitely has this team going the right direction. And like Ralph said, this team is going to be back next year. This is one of the top linebacking cores in the state, and they're probably going to be nationally ranked next year. And this will be, this will be the number one secondary in the country next year. So that's what everybody has to look forward to. So talented. Miles Lockhart who was coached well in his youth days, looked absolutely amazing. Running running the routes with his receivers, like I said in the tweet, and also absolutely delivering some crushing blows, uh, coming up, making the hits on Gage Daly. Uh, Ralph said this is one of the most decorated quarterbacks, and he's not lying. I've been watching Gage since his freshman year, and there, 
if, if you base it just on a uh, high school play, there's not a quarterback in the state you'd probably rather have. And it's true. Know, no, he, he's very solid behind center. And uh, I think as much as we've said all year that Basha is just playing complete football, it was probably never more evident than this past Friday night because they did it against a very, very good team. So overall, I mean, it, this team is prepared. Go ahead, Ralph. I just, I, I don't know if, the, if this has been mentioned, but this is 14 straight regular season wins. Yes. Uh, 14 right. in a row. Yeah. That's not All bad. eight this year and the back six regular season mm-hmm. of last year. That is correct. So, yeah, it's um, this is a hey. strong team. I mean, optimism is high for great reason. I mean, they're young, cohesive. The culture over there is just phenomenal. I mean, that's uh, that's why I'm putting it on them. 2022 hey. state champions. I truly, Ooh, okay. I truly believe that I've, I've said it on the, uh, on the other show that I do as well. I just think that they have the, uh, the pieces, but I mean, first things first, and we got to see how they handle their business in the open. And it's looking more and more likely that they're going to host a home game in the open, hey. which, which says a lot. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into this at the end. So I'll, I'll save some of this stuff for the end. Sounds good. And they'll head to five and two Cesar Chavez on Friday night as they continue their quest for a perfect regular season. The number three Hamilton Huskies at seven and oh, they will host those Highland Hawks. And my opinion is very simply after a week off, if Basha can beat Highland, so can Hamilton. That's not to say one team is better than the other, but I just foresee the Hawks losing back to back on two CUSD weeks. And they've got another game against Chandler the following week, so it's tough on Highland right now. This is this is going to be tough, man, because uh, you know Highland has one of the best offensive lines in the state, and this offensive line just had to deal with the full speed of Basha, and now they're going to have to deal with the uh, speed and power of Hamilton's front seven. Um, this is not a nightmare that you know I wish upon anybody, but you know we are in Halloween season, Brett. So I know how much you love that. Um, and I don't know, just stay for them Highland Hawks. They just got to stay focused. Uh, Hamilton's going to get an opportunity to see one of the best offensive lines in the state, which will, you know, prepare them for, you know, what they're going to see, you know, in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. And I do think, and we were talking about strength of schedule and all of that scenario right now, Bash is two, Hamilton is three. I do think that a Hamilton victory puts them back in that two spot because the margin of points right now is very, very slim. So we'll see how it shakes out. But number one is the Chandler Wolves. 43 wins in a row. This time it's 26 to 7 over previously unbeaten Queen Creek. As a matter of fact, it's the team they started this winning streak. Chili, what more can we say about this team? I mean, over and over. Blaine Hippa this time, 243 passing yards and three scores. One of those TDs to Ohio State bound Keon Graves. Hey, their boy is back, you know, and we've been waiting for this all season long, you know, for Keon Graves to make his return. Uh, we weren't sure when it was going to be. We thought it would be versus Perry, and uh, he decided to, you know, uh, hold out. He wanted mm-hmm. the wanted the big moment. I'm not mad at him. Uh, Keon Graves is ready to go, and I think that that's the scariest team, scariest thing for the rest of uh, Arizona, right? Because the best receiver has now come back, and it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Um, I did hear from uh, from a couple sides that Queen Creek was very, very competitive through three quarters. And, um, you know, look, Coach Sherman had his guys right. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, how, how many how many halftime situations can Chandler deal with before, you know, before it finally breaks? I mean, whatever they're saying in that locker room, Coach G has his guys uh, ready and turned up for the second half in the fourth quarters. And something that Coach G tweeted out uh, was either late Friday night or Saturday morning. Basically, he said his team is in tip-top physical condition, and that's why they are indeed winning the second halves and, more importantly, the fourth quarters of these games. So it's uh, good for the boys at 350 North Avenue, excuse me, North Arizona Avenue. And, Ralph, Friday night, actually, if I'm correct, will be the first ever meeting between Castile and Chandler. That is correct. And, uh, and, and it'll be, it'll definitely be an interesting test for, for Castile, um, Chandler being down at halftime in this game, when you also include that, uh, 
what was it o'connor and liberty both also mm-hmm. um you know had had uh chandler it's weird saying they had chandler's number right um, but but it, it, you almost want to count a tie or a one-point lead as a win sometimes when when it comes to uh the wolves because it's been such a long time and such a long streak of dominance um sometimes you just need somebody to come in and make a play and and that's what happened uh in in the uh third quarter almost the fourth quarter when chandler got a a punt blocked uh or chandler blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown because queen creek they weren't making any mistakes that chandler was going to be able to uh to to capitalize on um and then that's when you know you you had uh um chandler get the ball rolling in, in their favor. They got an interception um, after scoring a, a, another touchdown, you know, they're leading uh, 12 to seven. They, they get a pick and, and they get a Nissan Coleman um, touchdown to, to put the game out of reach. And it was a lot closer than the 26 to seven score um, would tell you because all of this action happened in the last 19 minutes of the game. But sometimes talent just wins out. Sometimes you're able to outlast um, the other team. And and a lot of that comes through physical conditioning, a tone that was set by Chris Chick. I know they're naming that weight room after him. Zach Elvire had a really good article about that. And that culture just continues of, of being sometimes if it's not a matter of talent or coaching, sometimes it's just a matter of physical conditioning. And, and when Chandler can get you in talent and they can get you in coaching and when they can't do either, the physical conditioning wins out. There's just nothing you can do um, to, to, to stop Chandler high right now. I'm not sure Castile will be the team to do it, but I'm really interested to see how some of Castile's better players um how they perform on a stage that big. Uh, this is going to be really their first opportunity in, unless you you know count that Hamilton game in which it was very respectable. Um, this is going to be their first opportunity for guys like Bowser and Newcomb to show that they can, they can go head to head with the state's best. Absolutely. And Shelly, before we jump back into the varsity stuff, we mentioned, Ralph just mentioned really Castile getting on that stage Big game tonight from the class of 2025, yeah. Chandler and Castile. I don't go to too many freshman games that are not within arm's distance of me, but this one I will definitely check out with you. The yes. class of 25, the Colts and the Wolves getting it on, and it seems like both teams are a little bit chippy well before the whistle. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be exciting, man. Uh, Coach Boyd over there at uh, Chandler, he's definitely going to have his guys ready to go. And, uh, you know, I know that Castile's fired up and uh, waiting for this opportunity. I know they play sevens against each other a lot. And, um, you know, they work out at the same gym. So I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, minor talking and heavy talking going back and forth. But I cannot wait for this uh, quarterback matchup, this young quarterback matchup that I'm hoping that we're going to see for a couple of years. Jackson Knutson over there at Chandler. And then uh, my guy Paul Palmer, uh, highly rated on my watch list, uh, you know, over there at Castile, uh, these offenses are going to be fun to watch. And then uh, defensively, uh, Chandler's big up front. They got some dudes. My guy Bennett Scheller, another highly ranked watch list kid. And um, Castile's loaded with talent, loaded with uh, guys that can get to the ball. Th- this is going to be a lot of fun. I saw Castile earlier this season uh, beat Hamilton. And, you know, this this will be the uh, Super Bowl of freshman football this year. Last year, it was uh, – Hamilton and Saguaro, and this year it's going to be Castile and Chandler, and this is going to be really exciting, man. Uh, I can't wait to see you out there, Brett. Sideline blog will be in full effect. Uh, you know, Zach Alvarez said that he's going to stop by too, so going to give the freshman a full look on, you know, what it's like on a Friday night, but on a Wednesday. That works. That definitely works. And speaking of Friday nights, we've we've got some key games over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, Chandler Castile this week. Hamilton and Highland as well. What stands out to you of the teams we've covered, Chile, as far as whether it's seeding or any games or any previews or even opposition players that we should be looking out for? Um, I mean, I, th- I think we're getting to a point where uh, everybody's only looking for a few games, right? Uh, this regular season, I think everybody's pretty much looking at Arizona Avenue because as I've brought up a few times in which Ralph is trying to kill me on, uh, I think Hamilton can compete for a national title, man. I, I really do. If they can win out, if they can win out, I think they really position themselves to be mentioned amongst like the top two or three teams in the country. Um, that's if they can win out. Chandler, on the other hand, 
I mean, shoot, if they can win out, I mean, this this open is going to be probably the biggest open to date, right? Because I would think uh, so. Feel, I think this is going to be a deeper open than we've ever seen before. Yeah, ever before. So uh, Hamilton's going to come in with a national national name recognition. Chandler's got that national name recognition. Bash is creeping up in there. Saguaro's got that name recognition. I, look, this is this is going to be powerful. This is going to be a lot of fun, and the open is already you know one of the top uh, eight, top ten. Uh, playoff divisions in the country, Ralph. I know, I know, I know you got to start riding this wave with me, man. Thinking that, uh, thinking that you know Hamilton might be able to pull a share of this national title talk. Hamilton winning out is means they would probably beat Chandler twice. That's that's a tall order. Come on, Ralph, jump on this bus with me. I know you want to. Oh, did Ralph mute himself? Ralph is on Ralph, mute. Did you mute yourself? That's because I don't want to be the villain. That's why I had to mute myself. Look, <laughs> two top 10 wins, and you have to figure it's possible that Chandler would be even higher the the first time um, they meet. That would be really good for Hamilton because they'd also have that win over Bishop Gorman, and I think that would be worthy of getting them into the top 10, maybe even the top six. But in order to have a share of the national anything, you're assuming modern day is going to lose or IMG is going to lose. There's just too many. If Modern Day doesn't lose and IMG doesn't lose and Westlake and Austin, Texas doesn't lose, they're not moving from one, two, three. Hey, look, look, if, if Modern Day wants to come down, take another trip to Arizona, they've been here before they know what it looks like. If they want to see Hamilton, Chandler, whoever, we can set it up. We can make this happen. I, I, Modern Day don't scare me. Modern <laughs> okay. Day don't scare me. Well, Modern Day does Geico scare Bowl. Geico Bowl. Somebody call me up. Modern day does scare a lot of people and they have two top 10 wins right now, including a three touchdown win over Bosco and a nine point win over Servite. Both of those teams are currently in max preps top 10 uh, nationwide ahead of Hamilton. So you factor in those two wins. If they don't lose, they're not going to be bumped out of that number one spot. I'm not trying to be the party pooper. I'm, I, I promise I'm not, but even if, even if modern day loses, they're going to have those two top 10 wins in their pocket. So it's going to be really, really tough to, to, to get ahead of all those other teams. It just like in college football, it really matters what somebody's preseason idea of some other team was. If somebody from max preps or whoever voted on this thought that Hamilton was top five going into the season, then it is absolutely possible that they could go undefeated and win a national title. But sometimes it's written in stone before you even get a chance to get on the field. Is that fair? No. Is it the case? With the Max Preps national rankings, yes. I'm, I'm going to holler at Zach. I'm going to holler at Zach Poff and uh, see what we can work out. All right. Hey, Brett, jump on this bus with me. Come on, man. Hamilton Hamilton for the natty. With all that they could – I mean, looking way ahead with all that they could possibly accomplish. Come on, Brett. In all your uh, historian knowledge, jump on this <laughs> bus with me. It's tough to get completely on board, and it's not – and here's a crazy thing. Kind of Ralph said it's – it's not in ha Hamilton does not control their own destiny for a national title. They can in a state title if they win out clearly, that's for sure. But those modern days and Austin Westlake's ahead of them that for better or for worse, get that nod ahead of time. But I mean, do the Huskies have it in them? I think it's possible for them to, to win out. It, they're going to have to play really, really well. I mean, there's a team at 350 North Arizona Avenue that clearly is standing in their way. So it's going to be nuts. I mean, it's um, I tell you the one thing I definitely want to see. I, of course, want to see those two teams play twice. I want to see them play on November 12th and I want to see them play on December 11th on the bigger stage because, yes, they played on the bigger stage last year. But ASU is a little bit bigger than DV. So yes. that's, uh, no, I think that would be great. But in order to even meet a second time, they're going to have to take on the super <laughs> tough open division champion competition, Cactus and ALA Queen Creek. And Basha. That's next to Somebody's going to have to do. I know. I, 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 Bash is legit, but I'm just pointing out the fact that, like, this whole ruse of an open division championship, it, it's, so, so, it's gotten ridiculous. It, so you're not convinced that uh, ALA Queen Creek belongs, even though they lost a close one to Saguaro, which is open bound. Four A teams shouldn't be in the open. The I end. mean, but then, but then that should be stated like way ahead. I mean, Cactus is oh, blowing out four A teams. Cactus is blowing out four A teams. I think that they belong. 
I, I can't wait to see them get in there and do their thing. Okay, um, well, let's, let's strong enough. They deserve to be in. All right, then let's just throw ALA Gilbert North in because they were up twenty-one nothing at one point on ALA Queen Creek. Let's just throw they, them in they, the open. They were, but they lost. But they well, took that out. Then, like the same with ALA Queen Creek and Saguaro, but they lost. That, that game was close, though. That game was so was the other one. The, the other no, one was it, literally closer. It, it, literally it, it, it closer. Really, it really wasn't different. the way the way it ended up. It really wasn't like that. ALA that ALA Queen Creek and that Saguaro game was close, like throughout. Like it, the, the ALA last Gilbert play. North they game, won on the last play. The, the ALA Gilbert North game. Uh, the ALA Gilbert North ALA Queen Creek game. ALA Gilbert North was up twenty-one nothing, and then they went flat. They went completely flat. So like they, they lost were by up three, which and, is twice right. Which which is exactly half of the. I understand the mathematics the that you're using, but like if you were actually at the game, you'd understand. No, you are absolutely right. If up. you do not use facts, you are correct. Like they they were up twenty one to nothing, and then they went flat. Here's my thing with the four A scenario. Let's just say ALA Queen Creek gets the number eight seed, and Chandler gets the number one seed. The loss, the potential loss differential, isn't going to be any different than it was with Chandler playing Desert Edge or Chaparral in 2019 or 2020. Well, because you can only score so many points in a football game. This is, well, we, no, I don't know about that. I don't know. Somebody scored like 95 this year. Chandler hung up 84 points in a regular season game against a I certain mean, school. They might say how many points. You can only score how many points mathematically. What math are you using? Because somebody scored like 95 this year in a game. Yes. So I mean, I guess my thing is with the with a four A team, a merited four A team. If someone is to get there, they got there. I don't think they'd be any potentially worse off than what we've seen in the past. It's it won't be any uglier potentially than what we've seen in round one earlier. Right, which means the open division championship isn't doing its job of creating parity later in the season. Oh, I don't know. I think it is. I, I think it's about that. I, 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 Ask I the eight the seed. Ask the eight seed each year so far. Ask the eight I mean, seed. If, somebody's if, gonna struggle. I mean, right. it's, it's not gonna be close games every every time. Like somebody, that was the point. Somebody, but that was the point of having the open division championship was to make sure that the, the last eight teams could actually compete with each other. They can't. I, mean, I say stay mad if you want, but I like what it's doing. I think right. that it's, I think that it's done a good job. I mean, I, your I opinion is different than mine. There's nothing cool, good about I, a I ten like and zero team or a nine and one team losing by fifty when the reward for being the best in your division should be the ability to play fourteen games. And that's they are your punishing opinion. success, and it's ridiculous. And that's your opinion. I, no, I that's think that, literally I think, what's I think that they're rewarding it by giving them the opportunity to go play against the best competition, which they have no got, business at doing. Some point, at some point, it's got to be about competing. Like I get it that you don't want to compete, but I think it's got to be about competing. So, I mean, if you want to be mad about it, stay mad about it. But I like what it's done, personally. That's my opinion. My opinion the, just happens to be different than yours, and you don't like it. No, it's not a matter of opinion. It's that the AIA stated the AIA stated that the purpose was competitive equity. So if it didn't do its job in creating but it is competitive equity, short. because now Cactus is going to go into the 4A playoffs just like smoking everybody, that's not competitive either. Which way do you want it? I don't have any issues with any championship that anybody ever won based on enrollment. But when you tell me that the goal is competitive equity, then create a situation in which that exists. So it is creating competitive equity in the 4A now. You pull up a team that is destroying everybody, including two 5A teams. That is creating competitive equity in the 4A. But competitive equity within the Open Division Championship is the goal, not competitive equity for everybody everywhere. You're not going to be able to control what happens when a, when a team like Sierra Linda can't field a football team so they lose every game by 70. This is a matter of wanting the actual games in the playoffs to be competitive, which the AIAs had a problem with for a really long time. And the 4A playoffs will be competitive. And the Open, you're going to will put not. the right teams in the Open. Yeah. Um... I, I, I like it. Hey, look, but. We can all say mad, but hey, I'm not mad. I I, I love that. I'm not mad. I actually it. like it. I mean, I I, I do got I do got to show love to these kids because I promised I would, man. Uh, these Basha kids that fought so hard, even though I said that you know they were gonna have a problem with the physicality. Those defensive linemen, they did their thing against what I thought was one of the best offensive lines in the state. Ty Robinson, Tyson Simmons, Garrett Bancroft, Omri Solomon. Those guys worked hard, and uh, they deserve a whole bunch of love. And also that offensive line, which was able to get a lot of push and uh, stay physical and take that physicality to 
Highland, uh, James Durant, Ryan Wheaton, Ryan Bloom, uh, Braden uh, Asio, and Cole Irvin. Those guys really did a hell of a job Friday night. And like I said, you know, we're always proud of these C-Town teams for winning and doing their thing. And uh, they really did it. They really showed out on a big stage. That works. I'm definitely, uh, I'm glad you, that's a lot of guys you shouted out, which, but they're all deserving. So now I, I, I don't give the offensive linemen, defensive linemen, a lot of love. And I've been really hard on that D line and they earned it. Those boys. No, they definitely it. did. No, that's uh good stuff as always. I mean, we, we break it down. We agree. We disagree, but in the end, it's all about promoting the Chandler area teams, which we definitely have done. And, they're doing us right. I mean, I think uh, not to touch on the open again, but I think we could see three teams hosting open playoff games um, on the 26th of November, Chandler, Hamilton, and Basha. So it's, um, I think that's awesome. And uh, we may even see Castile host day at home. We'll see, well, obviously not in the open, but in 6A, we'll see ALA Queen Creek, um, excuse me, ALA Valley Christian hosting a couple games in the 3A. So we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of home games to potentially choose from for the month of November. So we've got the 3A selection bracket coming out on Saturday. And then on November 13th, we will find out the open and we'll discuss competitive balance over the course of November. Go ahead, Joe. Open, open games will be on Saturday though, right? Uh, the like semifinals usual. of the open game will be. So the first round will be Friday, November 26th. Okay. Okay. And then the semifinals will be on Saturday, September 4. Hey, so we're going to get Ralph back here for some of these open games, right? True. Ralph, you coming yes. back out here? And we can talk about competitive balance in person. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> we'll see you, later. See you guys next, next Friday, next Wednesday. <laughs>